Hi, hello, welcome. This is the first Living in the Past deep dive mini episode. It's the episode where we look at a certain person, certain event, movie, TV show, album from the 90s that really encapsulates it, but is worth a closer look. Today we talk about the man, MC Hammer. You would know him from his music, his dancing, or maybe even his pants. He is definitely someone who encapsulates the 90s. So here we go. Stanley Kirk Burrell was born March 30th, 1962 in Oakland, California. As a young kid, he would sell old baseballs in the car park of the Oakland Coliseum, where his beloved Oakland A's baseball team would play. The team owner eventually made him a bat boy, and legendary baseball player Reggie Jackson coined the term hammer for him because he bore a striking resemblance to to another legendary player, Hank Aaron, who had the nickname Hammer. So, that is how he got his name. He would add the MC to it when he started playing clubs in the mid to late 80s, and it stood at that stage for Master of Ceremonies. It would change, but we'll get to that later. The first group Hammer performed in was a Christian rap group called the Holy Ghost Boys. Some songs were Word, B-Boy Chill, and also Son of the King, which MC Hammer would put on his first album, Feel My Power, in 1987. After getting local success on the radio and local dance clubs with Feel My Power, MC Hammer signed a nearly $2 million multi-album deal with Capitol Records. He soon released his second album, Let's Get It Started, including the singles Pump It Up, Turn This Mother Out, and Let's Get It Started, the title track. This is around the time that the first criticism started to fly from other rappers. They didn't like his lyrics, they didn't like his clothes, and they didn't like his stage show. But that didn't bother Hammer. When he was interviewed at a local club, wearing, and I have to say, love it, a a full body leopard skin jumpsuit, he said, it's about the stage show as well, not only just about the, the rapping. He was lucky to call Arsenio Hall one of his close friends. Arsenio Hall actually had his own late night show at the time and would let MC Hammer in late 1989 preview a song from his upcoming album. That song would be You Can't Touch This. The album would be Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him. The standout track was obviously You Can't Touch This. It contained a sample of the Rick James song Super Freak and I think we can all agree that this song would forever be his legacy. Interestingly enough, in the, in the US, the single didn't chart very high, but the album, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Them, got to number one and stayed there for 21 weeks. It went two times platinum in Australia and gold in most other major markets. Did Rick James like MC Hammer using Super Freak in his song? No, he did not. Did he sue? Yes, he did, and it was settled out of court. The video that went along with You Can't Touch This showcased his legendary dance moves and also those what we now call MC Hammer pants. Probably one of the highest levels of appreciation, Weird Al Yankovic covered You Can't Touch This called Can't Watch This, and I can't think of a bigger honour, especially in the 1990s. Recently, it has been used by a principal in Childersburg, US, Quinton Lee, as a parody 
about teaching the students COVID-19 guidelines. Other songs on Please Hammer Don't Hurt Them were Pray, which contained a When Doves Cry by Prince and We Care A Lot by Faith No More sample. But my personal favourite listening back to this album would have to be Your Sweetness. It slaps. Oh yes, it slaps. MC Hammer was everywhere and the corporate sponsors wanted to cash in big. So much so that Pepsi's Christopher A. Sinclair offered a sponsorship deal and then went on tour with MC Hammer in the summer of 1990. I cannot tell you how white this man is, but I would love to have seen the tour and the behind the scenes photos of the Pepsi CEO on tour with MC Hammer. There was also a movie that went along with it. In the movie, MC Hammer goes into a neighborhood in America that is riddled with crime and drugs and he teaches everyone a lesson and it is amazing. And I implore you to find this on YouTube. It is truly something to behold. So things were going really well, except he started to get more criticism from other rappers, including LL Cool J, Public Enemy, and the Digital Underground, which really roasted him on their awesome album, Sex Packets, released in February 1990. Seriously, check that album out. It's amazing. Only one rapper came to his defense, and that was Ice-T. He stated that MC Hammer never pretended to be anything that he wasn't. He was a pop rapper from the start. He wanted to get famous. He wanted to make money. Let's let him do it. Around this time also, they released the Saturday morning cartoon, Hammer Man. Again, I implore you to go check this out on YouTube because it is amazing. Voiced by MC Hammer and featuring all his music, it is a true joy. In 1991, Hammer dropped the MC and he released Too Legit to Quit. He got to number five on the charts and was accompanied by one of the most expensive music videos ever filmed. It starts out with a very famous at the time, Jim Belushi, reporting that Hammer has quit the music business. And then basically the rest of the uh, clip is other famous people saying that he should or shouldn't have done that. You've got a bunch of sports stars like Jose Canseco, Wayne Gretzky, Chris Mullen and Roger Clemens appearing. You also had Danny Glover, Henry Winkler, Mark Wahlberg, Donnie Wahlberg, Easy e Tony Danza, Queen Latifah, and Millie Vanilli, just to name a few. It is a star-studded affair for 1990 standards. Around this time too, he contributed the song Adam's Groove to the Adam's Family movie soundtrack. It charted number seven in the US. It also has the honor of being the song that if I hear it, it will not leave my head for three days and makes me want to put a drill through my forehead. Hammer went on tour in 1992 and it was huge. The stage show was magnificent. They had backup dancers, musicians, and also opening for Hammer, Boys to Men. Imagine that show. The tour was actually being funded from money from his record sales and they weren't going as well as Please Hammer Don't Hurt Them. So the tour was actually canceled partway through. In 1993, he released Funky Headhunter and tried to adopt a more gangster rap persona and sound. But his lyrics remained inoffensive and his message remained very vanilla. The change in persona did nothing except lose old fans and not gain any new ones. Pumps and a Bump was a single from Funky Headhunter, which in the lyrics called out groups like Tribe Called Quest, 
and Rum DMC, but his mocking was getting old. In 1995, he released Inside Out 5 on Death Row Records, and it sold very poorly. Hammer blamed just about mm, every single person except for him for the poor record sales. He later released Straight to My Feet for the Street Fighter soundtrack. This guy loved to contribute to movie soundtracks. In 1998, Hammer realised his gangster persona just wasn't working for anyone and went a different way. The Christian way. Oh, and the MC was back in his name. But this time it stood for Man of Christ. His new album, A Family Affair, got lots of airplay on the Trinity Broadcasting Network but only sold 1,000 copies worldwide. He then released an album soon after September 11th, which honoured those lost in the attacks. The very patriotic No Stopping Us USA and the not-so-patriotic Pop Your Collar were the singles from the album. The video that goes along with No Stopping Us USA needs to be seen to be believed. It actually featured actual Republican House of Representatives politicians rapping along with MC Hammer in the video. It is the cringiest thing that you will see today. I guarantee. Arsenio Hall wasn't around anymore, so he went to going on TV shows like The View to promote his new album. Hammer continues to release albums all throughout the 2000s with Full Blast in 2004, Look 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 in 2006, and a military-inspired Bring Our Brothers Back Home in 2007. These days, it can be said that MC Hammer is known for three things. You can't touch this, Hammer Pants, and for losing all his money. It is true in 1996 that he did go bankrupt, but he was never down and out. One of the reasons that he went bankrupt in the first place was that he was exceedingly generous with his money, starting the careers of many rappers, starting record labels for other people, and other business ventures. As with most major stars of the 1990s, he did dabble in some reality TV. He appeared on the WB's The Surreal Life, and was also a judge on ABC's Dance Fever. In 2009, he appeared on the A&E Network in the show Hammer Time, which chronicled his life with his family and the trials and tribulations of living in the MC Hammer household. Once again, it is to be seen to be believed. It is marvellous. MC Hammer will always be known for his pants, for his dancing moves, and for You Can't Touch This. But you can't say that you don't know exactly who he is when you hear that song. That you can't think of his dance moves and the video clip that goes along with it. When You Can't Touch This comes on the radio, in the supermarket, or in the car. Anyone who grew up at that time would at some stage have danced along to one of his songs. And these days he's doing pretty good. He's the spokesperson for 3M command strips and for Starburst lollies. I'd do that as a career. Thank you, MC Hammer. Your music is fun, and you were definitely a major part of the 90s. But I'll never forgive you for the Adam's Groove. Thank you. So that was our first deep dive. Really enjoyed doing it. Uh, Love the rise and fall of the career. I'm sure we'll see all that a lot with some of these 90s celebrities. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You can get in touch with us at livinginthepastpod at gmail.com. If you've got an idea for one of these deep dives, I'll be more than happy to, to hear it. Or let us know what you think of the podcast, what you don't, or just say hi. Email us at livingatthepastpod at gmail.com or check us out on Instagram, 
You've got Spotify playlists that you can search. You've got Spotify playlists you can search. And also on Letterboxd, it's Petey Lumsden. Thank you so much for Andrew Golding and Benjamin Ray. They did the music for this episode. Rebecca Sheedy does our artwork. You can check her out at Miles Scribbling on Instagram. And I'll join you next week. Not only for the next month in 1990, but for our next mini episode too. Thanks. Bye.